It's the top of the hour, and you're listening to WLCA, WLCA HD1 Godfrey. And now, it's time for the WLCA Sports Show. Line them up for kickoff. Pop it in there, baby. Good morning and welcome into the WLCA Sports Show. We have a great show planned for you all today, including the Big Ten is returning today. We are going to be giving you an idea of what to expect from the play in the Big Ten. going to be really fun. We're going to be having on college football aficionado Mike Lemons at 10.05. We're also going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and our signing of Antonio Brown along with the World Series and what the other Tampa Bay team, the Rays, have to do to even up that series. I'm your host, Ethan Hannaford, joined today by Nathan Tucker. Nathan, how you doing? Good. This this is probably the most awake I will ever be for the show. And I have a way too big coffee that I'm jiggling near the mic. So the fo- folks Thank you for that good hear. quality sound. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean... You'll probably be awake for coming weeks since you're going to be here now in the morning. Yeah. You know, like earlier in the morning. Bright and early. Is it Mm. too early? Almost too early. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the mix there. Well, as I said, you know, the Antonio Brown suspension is eligible to end after week eight in the NFL for that suspension was for mixed reasons. But uh, pretty much we can summarize it with Antonio Brown was a naughty boy. That's what we can pretty much say. Not good. He was not a good boy. Very bad. Yeah. So... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, after a lot of speculation that he could be going to Seattle, that maybe a Baltimore could throw in there, after the Buccaneers said that, or Bruce Arians said he wasn't an option, there just wasn't money, they announced a one-year deal yesterday that would end at the, well, finish at the end of the season, and they expect him to make his debut in week nine against the Saints um, per Adam Scheffner. So, uh, Nathan, I'm curious what you think on this. What do you think of the deal from Tampa Bay's point of view? Do you think it's a good view, bad view, kind of in the middle? I mean, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I'm mostly really interested that Tampa Bay came around to it after, I mean, Bruce Arians was saying himself that it wasn't going to happen. Seven months ago, earlier this year, Bruce Arians was saying that, it wasn't going to happen when he was asked if there was any interest between the Bucks and Antonio Brown, seeing as there was a slight amount of chemistry, very slight amount of chemistry between Antonio Brown and Tom Brady. I think Antonio Brown caught passes for Tom Brady for one game with the Patriots. Yeah, I think he had one touchdown reception. Is that correct? Against yeah, Miami. it was just over, just over 50 yards and one touchdown in that one game. So, I mean, not a bad game, but... Tom Brady never had, though... That was, I think we could argue, one of the first times that Tom Brady, you know, came into a game with a, you know, high-quality, big-name receiver, right? I mean, Julian Edelman, great, but he, he wasn't... made those guys. Exactly. Danny Amendola, I mean, he wasn't good until he came to hey, Foxborough. I mean, Danny I t- Amendola was a great St. Louis Ram. Yes, he was a great St. Louis Ram. He could have been so much better if he would have had a half-decent quarterback. Eh, eh. Yeah. Look at what he did with New England with Tom Brady and his time there. Yeah. It's all, it just it turns out wide receivers are a lot better when you get them the football. Like crazy how that works. Huh. That's interesting. <laughs> um so, you know, so overall I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm like you said, I'm surprised overall by this deal too, and I'm I'm surprised that they did it, but also you know that that honestly anyone's willing to do it. And the reason being is a team like Tampa I guess you could kind of understand where they're coming from, being that they're they're good, but they're not that top tier in the NFL right now. I think they're at four and two right now. 
And they're, you could argue that they're just... Uh, they, they, they beat the crap well, out of what Green else, Bay Well, what I was going to say is you could argue they're probably on the right on the outside looking in. So yeah. those like top four or five teams, right? Yeah, say so they. I think they're, you know, maybe a little bit higher than people might have expected them to be right now. The top seven team, probably. Yeah. Top seven, probably, I'd say. But the, the reason I bring that up is, you know, now... At this point in Tom Brady's career, why not bring in weapons for him, right? Why not throw those guys? He already has Chris Godwin. He already has Mike Evans. Why not throw in Antonio Brown? That could end up working well for him. It is risky because if it doesn't work well, it could damage your team. It really could. But the potential upside of it apparently is worth the risk to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the the whole question mark has been the last couple of days since the talks about who's going to sign Antonio Brown has been... Is he going to be able to finish a season? Can he still have success in this league? But more so, can he finish this season? And it's a very tough situation for Brown because you look at the way that he's left recent teams. The way he left Pittsburgh was not good. The way he left Oakland was not good. The way he left Foxborough after, what, 13 days was not good. All he has done since he has come into the NFL is burnt bridges for himself. The problem... Or worse. (laughs) Or or worse, yes. The... The problem with Antonio Brown is the intention has to be around him. It's always been about him. He has never proven to anyone, as far as the public knows, that he cares about his team. It's all about him. So why do I bring this up? If Brown isn't getting the ball, then what do you think is going to happen? He's not going to like that, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of depends. It kind of depends on how much they, one, you know, welcome him with open arms into Tampa Bay. It might, you know, they might kind of you know, stretch a little bit more on some of their team philosophies if they think that an extra 70 yards and a touchdown every week will help them win a Super Bowl. So, but I mean, so I mean, like, he'll be behind Godwin. He'll be behind Evans to start at least. Yeah, I, yeah. Unless he goes he'll be, dominant, you know, he'll be behind them all year. I would imagine that he would be kind of in that category of being like a, th- a third wide out, a slot receiver type guy. But I also think that, you know, I think Antonio Brown is, you know, much, uh, you know, as of a, I guess you'd say a team issue, quote unquote, as he's been in the past. I think, I think he understands his place in a football team. Does as weird he? as that sound, does he actually though? I think he does, and I think he's just more or less trying. Because he sure as hell didn't with Pittsburgh, even being the top guy on the guy, team. I think a guy can he did do with those New things England. and still understand where his position, like. Because I think when he did those things, he believed he was the best, and he believed that he deserved every, you know, everything in the world. I'm not, sh- you know, all he had to do was like not talk for like five days, and he would have gotten absolutely paid. I'm not, and I'm not really promising that anything, you know, great happens here with Tampa Bay. But I think, you know, the by law of averages, you almost have to think that he's going to eventually just kind of accept the situation that he's in to a degree. And just play to make, if anything else, to silence, you know, any critics he has toward like the style of play he's had. Well, you would think that, but I mean, yeah. honestly, at this point, the man's unpredictable. Logic, <laughs> logic, and reason has not uh, applied to Antonio Brown yet, but you know, maybe it will in the future. I think that's kind of what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hoping for here. So, so can he finish the season? I, I think clearly, yes, he can. Will he though is the question, and that's at this point, honestly, I'd say. 50-50 odds. Yeah, I th- I'm kind of curious to see, you know, we the, the news was just reported last night. He's probably not even 
with the team or around anybody like around the team save for me you know maybe a general manager or something like that right now i'm interested to see how you know these first so many weeks of team interaction with the tampa bay buccaneers team led by you know veteran quarterback tom brady and he has rob gronkowski right next to him just you know just the same as new england but it's going i'm really interested to see how that team dynamics changes or if antonio brown is actually willing to accept it and I, I can't give you a clear answer on it because I don't think he's given us a clear answer yet in his career. Speaking of team interaction that you were talking about just a moment ago there, this past week in Miami, Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick led the Dolphins to a 24-0 win over New York, the Jets. So, I mean, that's a what could you have expected there? It's the Jets. So, I mean, good win, but it's the Jets. At the, the end of the, the Jets <laughs> are like an NFL practice squad for everyone to just kind of get a good week of practice in. And Sounds about right. You know, get, get you know, get some good confidence building for the next week. Anyways, at the end of the game, Tua Tagovailoa, the 2020 fifth overall pick, made his NFL debut. Went two for two on nine yards passing. Um, only a great a, nine yards. It was. It honestly was though. The, I mean, he had to scramble out of the pocket. I think both times, and he darts, accurate darts. Look, so I mean, two for. As far as two passes go, I mean, I, it looked looked pretty good. <laughs> um, but only a, a day later, the Dolphins announced that Tua would be taking over at quarterback. And Fitzpatrick was very upset to the media on the situation. He said, my heart just hurt all day. I basically got fired yesterday, and my day consisted of Zoom meetings with the guy who fired me and sitting in a room with the guy who replaced me for four hours. Ooh, man, did, did Ryan Fitzpatrick handle this situation the right way? Uh, no. Uh, and I think a guy who's been kind of a not starting quarterback who made him you know, gave himself a job in the NFL by playing, you know, good football should potentially understand the situation a little differently. And especially a situation where Miami drafts to a, to be their quarterback for the future. And I think if Ryan Fitzpatrick is not aware of that and is not like, a part of that process and is willing to be a part of that process, then why keep him? Like why keep him around? Like the whole point for this process in the NFL is for a veteran quarterback to be there to support your rookies and to support, kind of teach them, give them a shoulder to lean on, and kind of which you know. I, th- I thought was so odd because you know if you if you watch the game when he when Tua went on when he got his first pass, Fitzpatrick is jumping up and down on the sidelines. He's a Harvard his arms. man. He knows how to act. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You would think so. Yeah, he, he knows how he, know, he knows how to keep up a public appearance of well, I get, until he yeah. s- decided <laughs> to say this. He knows how to keep up a public appearance of hey, good job, Tua. You know, I support you. And then well, someone asks him. Of course, it's the end of it's the end of the game. You know, he's getting his debut. He's getting everyone, a couple of touches. You're winning by four, three, four possessions. So I mean, why not? Yeah, go Tua. I completely understand the guy's pain. I feel for him. That's rough. The dude works harder than. He's one of the most respectable guys in the league. He works harder than just about anyone. Um, he's poured this. It's clear he's poured his heart in that team. Somehow they're three and three because of him so far. However, you have to think that they sat these guys down at the beginning of the season and told them the plan, right? That yeah. I mean, if not, shame on the Dolphins because that's about the dumbest like, move ever. Like maybe the Dolphins imagined that they were going to be in a worse position at this point, and then t- bringing in Tua doesn't look as like a controversial decision. I mean, maybe but, now that the Dolphins are coming off of a couple, you know, really you know, solid games, some good wins, 
and I mean, again, granted, against the Jets, I mean, their game against the Niners, they look great. Yeah, but against you know coming off a game against the Jets, I you know maybe some of the th- a three and three record is a little bit you know f- generous to them, a little favorable to their position, and maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick takes that as he, you know he's brought that team to a near you know a nearly winning football team almost in Miami, and you know I feel for Ryan Fitzpatrick because I think he's been a very a great servant to football for the past you know, near a decade or so that he's been in the league and, you know, I probably played with half the teams in the league. Yeah. I mean, he, no one is, as you say, as a quarterback, no one is probably more traveled than and Ryan. Probably F- what Josh McGowan or probably. Yeah. Yeah. So those were the two guys. The, yeah. They, they got team they, every year. They have a lot of jerseys in their closet. I would, would say kind of cool. Yeah, so uh, you know, a lot of new experience jerseys with your names on them. Not a lot of new places. Like to all, live. all down the wall or, or something. The kids. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, It'd be kind of cool. But, you know, it. this is we're coming into week seven for the Dolphins here. There's, you know, seventh game. And if you weren't expecting Tua to be throwing a football for this team by this point in time, I don't know. Like, so that, why do you draft him at that, that point? That leads into my next question. Do you think, do you agree with the move to go to Tua at this point in the season? Or is it too early Absolutely. for you? Absolutely. You do? I, I, I mean, not just beyond him throwing two good passes for nine yards. This is the guy that you think you're building quarterback around, you're building your team around, and this is your franchise quarterback for, you know, potentially the next 10, 15, how many ever years do you think Tua Tagovailoa can run run and throw that football for you in Hard Rock Stadium or whatever it's called in like two years whenever they change it again? Because <laughs> th- that stadium changes all the time. That was good. But, but uh you know, this is the you know the Dolphins aren't trying to win in 2020. Like you draft to a Tagovailoa not to win in 2020, but to win in 2024, in 2025, when this you have a fully developed, you know, maybe to was developed now, and maybe you actually can win earlier than you thought he was. But you're not trying to win right now, and winning in the future means playing Tua in these games right now. Well. And here, I think that the Dolphins, honestly, I think their front office may be a little surprised that they're 3-3 three and three at this point because Tua just coming off of the intense surgery, the intense injury that he did last year. And, you know, when you have a guy like Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick, that's not your everyday backup quarterback. When you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, usually it's because you you want him to be there, you know, to still end up winning some games. So... I'm kind of surprised that you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick and you only play him for start him for six games. I am a little bit surprised by that. However, at the same time, like you said, Tua, you know, he's the future of that team. Was it a bit early? I think it's I think you could argue both sides. I like you said, you know, he's clearly they plan on Tua being the future of that franchise, and I agree. However, I don't know if there should necessarily be a rush. I think that the idea that, oh, shoot, now we're 3-3, three and three. let's get two in here. Maybe we can win a few more games, and maybe we can squeeze into the playoffs. Maybe that's the mindset. And I just I, I don't have a problem with it. I am surprised that they went to Tua so early, though. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering why they wouldn't have leaned toward maybe just a set where, you know, you bring in both of them maybe and not, not maybe like yeah. the off – like. I know the NFL and you know football in general. Everyone loves starting it or naming a starting quarterback and making you know naming your QB one and you. This is your star. This is Who your cares? guy. 
Yeah, you you know, we see in baseball that a bullpen can pitch an entire game just fine. Not as fun though. Yeah. I mean, I would like I like starters dealing, but at the same time, I think the Dolphins are in a perfect situation where you could you could actually play both Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick and give your offense, you know, a very dynamic, you know, difference with those two different looks on the field where you have a more versatile a more mobile Tua who can scramble around and run out of the pocket and pick up some yards in the rushing game and you have Ryan Fitzpatrick who can sling the ball with you know he's probably I would say a top 10 you know passer in football right now he still he still has he still has it and I think he still kind of surprises people with his throwing ability and I'm kind of surprised that the Dolphins didn't lean toward that kind of like dual like two-way option as they you know, progress this season, especially if they think they have a chance at the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins end up doing, how they end up working that quarterback situation. But for now, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have our pits of the pits picks of the week. You're listening <laughs> to the WLCA Sports Show on College Radio's Best. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. I'm Ethan Hannaford, joined by Nathan Tucker, and we're going to be breaking down Week 7's matchups in the NFL. We're going to start it off with the Detroit Lions facing off against the Atlanta Falcons. Ew. Gross. It makes a run for a crap game of the week, but I don't know if I can give them the honors this week. It'll be like vaguely entertaining. Like you got to imagine those teams will yeah. probably throw for like 500, 600 probably. passing yards. So I mean, eh, I think that the I think the Falcons will show up. I think that they'll kind of, you know, have some momentum off of that last game. Who they beat last week? Who they beat? Minnesota? Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. So, I got the Falcons winning this one 31-16. This is really just a bad against the bad, and I think that one bad outdoes the other bad. <laughs> I hope Todd Gurley has a good game because I think Todd Gurley's kind of he's shown that he can be you know the guy that he's been for the Rams in the past, but the Falcons can forget about him in the offense sometimes. Isn't Last that, week he had twenty something carries for like forty yards. It was not a good game. Isn't it kind of cool though, like being able to say that you. Played it somewhere, like play, went to Georgia, and now you're with the Falcons. You played in SEC championships. You play, played in national championships. Yeah, it's a great that, story. It is. Now he just now he needs to have a success. team around him. Yeah, that would uh, that would it really help to have a team around him. Maybe someday. <laughs> All right. Uh, next, we got the Browns and Bengals. Uh, the Joe Burrow show not necessarily off to a flying start in Cincinnati. This not far. necessarily his fault though. Yeah. <laughs> It, the Joe Burrow show has been derailed by forces beyond his control often. Uh, you know, the Browns I th- the Browns got completely pasted by Pittsburgh last week. But I th- so I think they're going to kind of come into this game with a little bit of a little bit of an edge, kind of looking for a bit of a revenge. I think that's a Baker Mayfield bounce back game after he looked pretty, I would just say, duddy last week. Did not look, fan- not look fantastic against a pretty strong Pittsburgh defense. Uh, I'll go with the Browns, 28-17 in this one. You know, it's funny. I had the Browns winning this game, and I just changed it to the Bengals. And the reason being is because there were so many comments this week on how... Look 
what I did on how bad the um, that was jamming for a second there. for about point five for but but how bad the just the team overall that chemistry it just doesn't seem like it's very good right now. There's so much going on with Odell Baker struggling. I think it was Baker that said this week they were what they're. Four and two has never felt so much like zero oh and six. My goodness, that's that's a, heavy. That's a great quote to have to uh, inspire confidence in your team and your fan base. I'm sure every Browns fan who's lived, you know, one of the most tortured existences of any pro football <laughs> fan in the world, loves hearing that. Actually, four and two feels like zero oh and six. I'm sure it it's feels like, wait, great. So, it's to like, be, wait, so were we zero and six, or are I we? Feel, I'm sure it feels great to be a Cleveland Browns fan and to hear your starting quarterback say that. Um, I'm not retracting my pick. I think that the Bengals are still pretty bad. And I think that even a bad Browns team can beat a bad Bengals team. We saw, though, the the Bengals in the first game put up some offense against the Browns. So it'll be interesting without Nick Chubb, without your main source of offense, how they do. So it'll be a fun one to watch either way. Next one, another fun one that's going to be really entertaining to watch. Yeah, an actually good game of football. Pittsburgh Steelers, Tennessee Titans. This one's going to be a good one. I have the Steelers winning this game. I have them winning it semi-close and we're going to be talking about the titans in future weeks about uh we're going to get, get to it next week about um what that team really is and what to expect out of that team but they're just it's so weird because you know a couple of weeks ago i was kind of like eh, on the titans like you know they've they're undefeated but i said that they're the weakest undefeated team left um, being that they hadn't beat anyone good by a good margin. And then, and then they, they go in and they destroyed the Bills. Spanked the Bills. They absolutely spanked them. 142 to 16. And then last a, a week. Tuesday we, a Tuesday night football special beat, beat down too. Yeah. Maction, right? Exactly. <laughs> Full of it. And then last week, you go and you beat the Texans who have won one game by a touchdown and you had to make a late comeback for it. I just don't get it. So. I'm going to ride with the Steelers in this one because they have looked good. They have looked consistent. They spanked up on the Browns last week, which, I mean, is an okay win. It's not a great win, but it's an okay win. So, I mean, I'm going to go with the Steelers in this one. I have it close. I have it 27-23. Yeah, I'm actually going the other way with it. I'm going with the Titans because I think Derrick Henry is alive. And if if you have that man playing his game, look out because he is the most dangerous man in all of football, and he's – He's just a monster with the ball. I think the but the, Bills, they've proven that it, it's it's not necessarily enough all the time. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting. It's it's a very interesting. But I think well, the Titans have, and you know, you, you said we'll talk about this a little more next week. I think they have that intangible ability that a great team has of winning football games where you don't play well, and I think that's like that's a factor that you know they've had to kind of reach into a little bit more than they've probably wanted to this year. But I think that. The fact that they are such a good football team has pushed them over the edge in those games that they might usually lose. Uh, next, we got the Panthers and Saints. And now, you know, Christian McCaffrey is getting close to returning from injury. He's not going to be this returning this week, but probably towards week nine they're, they're looking at because next week the Panthers have a Thursday night game, I believe. So they, they, want, they want to skip over that week and give Christian McCaffrey a little more extra time. But, you know, they've looked good without him. They've looked really serviceable without him. I think Te- Teddy Bridgewater has had moments without him. I think the last game kind of was, a, I would say, a slide back to the norm. I think the Saints probably score too much to, for the Carolina offense to keep up, for Teddy Bridgewater to keep up. I'm going to go with Saints 35-21 here. 
That's a that's a interesting pick. I think that that's I don't know. I the I saw a stat yesterday that Teddy Bridgewater's like 15 and 2 against the spread in his career and I was like, "Wow, that that's kind of impressive. Like that's a pretty good stat for the, as far as that goes." I have the Panthers winning this one 34-30. I re- I know they lost last week and not a, a not a very good loss against uh the Bears. The Bears. Um, the Bears but have a good defense. We can already, we can talk about it. We'll be talking about the Bears in a second. And if, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not impressed with the Saints. Drew Brees hasn't looked good at really at all. Michael Thomas is still out with hamstring problems. So I'm gonna go ahead and pick the Panthers in this one real quick. Do you think has, I'm wondering if anyone else has made this comparison? Does Michael Thomas look like 21 Savage to you? I haven't thought about bit, I haven't any? thought about this. We'll talk about it. Well, uh, yeah, I probably need to see like a side by side. Over like, break. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll come. We'll come back with that. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Say. I'll say I, I'm not really looking forward to the, any of these. Bills games Jets. Coming. Bills Jets. The next one on the list. Uh, that's that, that. Like you said, not gonna be a fun one. You could argue that for that for crap game of the week, but we're not gonna give them the honors. No, not so not so fast. Buffalo Bills. You're too good for that one. <laughs> but the Bills are gonna spank them. Um, yeah, they I? might win by thirty. I have forty to three. Here. Forty to three. Wow. Okay. It could happen. Yeah. I mean, you're tired. That's not like an. That's not like a potentially ridiculous promote or prediction at all. I think that's fairly accurate. I had I had for my for my money thirty one to seven, but I I think that could it, it could, could be way worse. Uh, next we have you know what was probably once a great rivalry, but is now kind of a shell of that. It is the Cowboys and the football team. Oh, it's back in the RG three days. Yeah, both both teams are just kind of scrambling for a quarterback right now. Uh, I mean, the Redskins have kind of been like a public case of that all year, and now obviously the Andy Dalton era has started in Dallas, and you know Dalton looked okay, but not great. I think he looked like a backup quarterback filling in for a starting quarterback last week. Uh, I'm I think more than anything, I predict that this football game will be very bad. And it'll be tw- take my friend. <laughs> it'll, the Cowboys will win at 21-17, and most people will not have fun watching it. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree the Cowboys win this one. I have 16-13. to Next matchup, the Texans facing off against the Packers. That one's going to be a really interesting matchup. I actually have the Texans upsetting them. I have picked the Texans every week but one week, and they have... I Let's see. I've been correct twice because I picked them to lose one of the weeks. That was one of my correct ones. But I, I tell you what... The 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 Texans have looked better since Bill O'Brien got fired. Crazy how that works, huh? Isn't it? And then last week the Packers got absolutely smoked. I have a shootout, thirty-seven, thirty-four. Yeah, I I have it kind of the same way. I think it'll be the exact same, oh, not the exact same, but I have it going the a shootout with the Packers way because I think the Packers will be looking to kind of get some revenge after you know try to you know get their footing back on track to show that they're a great team. And next we got the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I think that's going to be, you know, kind of an early NFC West kind of playoff picture decider almost. I think it's going to be, you know, another shootout. I think Kyler's kind of figuring it out. I think the Cardinals need to realize that they can kind of mix up Kyler's ground game with his air game and kind of, you know, keep a defense off balance. And the Seahawks don't really have that great of a defense. Again, I think this is going to be another shootout. I have this one 31-28 Seahawks. I have it 31-20. But yeah, Seahawks. I think that 
this will be a fun one to watch. It'll be interesting to see how Kyler Murray does under pressure because we haven't seen him in too many big pressure games. Yeah, this will probably be the highest pressure game he's had yet, and he's looked a little shaky yes. whenever, whenever he actually has to deal with that kind of pressure. So a great opportunity for him today to you know maybe uh, change some of those uh, thoughts um, that we have on Murray, but really looking forward to that matchup. Next matchup, the Kansas City Chiefs facing off against the Denver Broncos. Broncos, the home team in that matchup. It's not going to matter. Chiefs are going to win this one big. The Broncos just don't have any offense right now. Uh, the Chiefs offense. They might be a little fired up. They beat, you know, they beat the Patriots. They had six field goals. Hey, that's offense. Barely. Point, point, points six on the board. Six field goals will not win you a game against Kansas City. 31-14. It might. Let's say the Chiefs have Come kind on, of man. The, I Cam Newton threw for a hundred yards last week. If Patrick Mahomes is really off his game, I he have to say, be. really off he his game. He will not be. He's been off his game like three times. Are this you year picking already. the Chiefs to lose this game? I am not picking the Chiefs to lose this game, but the I think the Chiefs will win this game. But I think the Broncos will be probably as fired up as they can be. Which is, you know, saying what you can about the Broncos. I'd love for the Broncos. to. I'm wearing a Broncos hat right now. I think it's actually pretty cool. It's got like the silver bill. But I mean, um, no, it's not going to happen. There's yeah. no way. I think it'll be within 20 points, which I think is, you know, as close as, as, close as I can make it for that game. Uh, talking about the team that the Broncos beat last week, the Patriots, they play the 49ers this week, you know. I, I think the Patriots are going to need that bounce back themselves. They, The Niners, you know, beat the Rams last week. I don't think many people are really expecting them to beat the Rams. And they kind of, you know, kept that NFC West race open. The NFC West has been just as competitive as we thought it would be all year. Uh, my, my one stat I got for you here, uh, 226 of Jimmy G's 268 yards last week were after the catch. And his pass is wow. all... His passes only traveled an average of four yards in the air. Hey, whatever works. Sounds like Drew Brees. Yeah, it's, you know, if you make your passing game basically an extension of your running game, it's kind of a different, you know, it's a unique, you know, way to move the ball down the field. I think, you know, the the Patriots struggle to contain that ground game, and I think the Niners will take it. I think it's 21-13 Niners. I have 23-23, Patriots winning this one. Close game. It'll be a fun one. I think the defenses will show out in this matchup, but it'll be a good one. Next matchup, the Los Angeles Chargers facing off against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This one takes home crap game of the week. Yeah, this is the bad football game of the week. This is a good one. This will be fun to watch. (laughs) Um, I have the Chargers winning this one 31-17. While the Chargers are only 1-4, only one of those teams that they faced is a record below 500, and uh, the most they've lost by against... Um, any team is by a touchdown, so I they say this is the only the sec- so this is the only the second time this season where the Chargers are playing a team they're much better than. And the first time they did, they won. <laughs> so I go ahead and say that Justin Herbert shows out against a bad Jacksonville team and they win this one. I have no re- no reason and no uh, backing behind this at all, but I just feel like this is one of those weird games Don't that Jacksonville it. wins. I just think how dare you I, go against Justin Herbert like that. You know, it's one. It's one of the even. You know, man's a young prince. Every now and then, a blind squirrel finds a nut, and I think (laughs) that would be the Jaguars. You know, the Jaguars will eventually get like five wins somehow, Mm. and that's. I feel like this is one of those games that's good for it. Uh, Next, we got the Bucks and the Raiders, a game that we are talking about a little bit. You know, kind of hinting at with 
you know, talking about the Bucks signing Antonio Brown, you know, Antonio Brown will be watching this game from like a condo or a skybox somewhere. The Raiders' entire offensive line is going to miss this game because of COVID. The entire starting offensive line for the Raiders, that is. Uh, Derek Carr is going to be lucky to make it out of this game alive. Um, I would say because of that, I think the Bucks will take it by two or three scores. It'll be a big one. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that the Bucks win this one also. It turns out you need an offensive line. It's a completely different game if that line's there because... The Raiders have looked pretty good. Yeah, and they can move the ball this would have effectively. Been, it, it, this would have been a top game of the week, but I got it 34-17. I can't believe the entire offensive line missing the That's that, crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. The, of all the guys, like you know, you could deal without some wide receivers. Let's say next matchup: the Bears facing off against the Rams. I have the Rams winning. Or sorry, not the Rams. I have the Bears winning this one, 23-17. While the wins haven't been pretty. They are finding ways to win, and they're coming off probably their best win of the season against Carolina. They may have be finding their identity in Nick Foles a little bit, and the Rams, on the other hand, have not looked very good of late or kind of on the decline the last few weeks. So I have the Bears carrying the momentum, and somehow they are going to be 6-1 and one going into Week 8. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah, I'll say... <laughs> I, I, I got the Bears winning them too, and I think somehow, you know, somehow they're keeping this charade up. Of you know being a football team, they have a really good defense, and you know that can make up for a bad offense. If you watch the St. Louis Rams and their later years before leaving for Los Angeles, this is a Bear, this Bears team reminds me a lot of them. Hey, it even has Nick Foles and Robert Quinn, just like those St. Louis Rams teams back in the day. And you know it's a it's a team that uh, if we could have imagined those Rams teams actually winning football games instead of losing them all the time. Uh, it's kind of what the Bears are now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they, yeah, I think they sneak by the Rams in a really not great football game to watch. Since I'm because I'm so good at keeping us on time, like just phenomenal. I'm just at my peak this week with it. We are going to skip our break and we're going to go right into this date in history. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to travel through time. I bid you adieu. This date and the sports history will actually be this week and World Series history, where I will go back to 1989. The World Series between the San Francisco Giants and Oakland A's was interrupted by an earthquake less than 30 minutes before the scheduled start of Game 3. The series was delayed for five days with, con- with concerns for the structural safety of the stadium and possible earthquake aftershocks in the area, and the series resumed on October 27th. The Athletics, managed by Cardinals legend Tony Larusa, swept the Giants in four games. And that was This Week in World Series History. Have you watched the 30 for 30 on that? I have, but it's been a w- long time. It's a good one. Yeah. Let's say it's... It, I mean, it, like it, they have a lot of... Inter- there's a lot of interesting facts about how the earthquake almost like saved lives. Or like the, the fact that the World Series happened during the earthquake saved lives because people were at home watching the games yeah. instead of like traveling to and from work yeah. because it would happen during rush hour. And a lot of the, the bridges was what killed yeah. a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, the br- bridges collapsed and killed people and what kept a lot of people off those bridges were the fact that the Oakland A's and San Francisco Giants were playing a baseball game that kept people at home. I completely understand the structure argument though or 
that the, talk. Yeah, because, a, sta- uh, a stadium might. Stadiums is even. Because during like, that when, when the earthquake all, happened in, itself, like pieces of the stadium were crumbling and falling down around them. That stadium There's, of all, too. Yeah, the old <laughs> candlestick. The yeah, old candlestick. That place is falling apart without a earthquake, let alone with one. Yeah. We're in the middle of a really entertaining World Series so far. Uh, 2020 World Series. It's it's the 2020 playoff postseason overall has been. I feel like every single uh, sports association has pretty, done a pretty solid job with their yeah, playoff it's adjustments. Been an, it's been an entertaining product. Yes, I don't necessarily know if I want like. I don't want these it like this in the future, but they. I think that they have done a good job of bringing in viewers. Uh, right now, the Los Angeles Dodgers leading the Tampa Bay Rays two games to one. The Dodgers took game one, eight to three. The Rays took game two, six to four. And then the Dodgers last night taking game three, six to two. Uh, Walker Bueller goes four innings, strikes out like, what, 10, I think? Yes. It looked really good. It's so funny. We've had two starters now, Blake Snell being the other one, that have not even gone five innings and have struck out over 10 and were just like, wow, what a performance. It's like... Is this how is this what baseball's turning into now? Yeah, yeah. Gone are I the days. Gone are the days of Bob Gibson striking out like eighteen and pitching nine innings or whatever. It's just uh, now. Now we're gonna you're gonna be lucky if your starter is a five inning one run guy. Gosh, I hope that baseball doesn't get to that. I think it's there. I mean, some other teams are a little bit quicker to it than the Cardinals are, so we don't necessarily get to it. I here. love watching the. Five, like I love that the Cardinals are able to say they have five solid starters, or you know, four solid starters and a de- <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. Like the Cardinals overall, when you look at their five man rotation, probably they, they one of the best. Ha- they in baseball. have a rotation, yeah, <laughs> which is which I love though. Say because other teams, I mean, they're just scrapping it, or this, you know, they're not maybe not going as far as scrapping the rotation, but just leaving an open ended question as to who might pitch, and then just telling you, you know, three hours before the game starts. You know, you could argue last night the Dodgers were really dominant the entire time. What's been the key so far to the Dodgers' major success in this World Series? You know, it's I don't want to I don't want to put it all on one guy because I don't. You know, it's not just one guy. But when Mookie Betts plays his game, that entire offense gets going. And when Mookie Betts kind of turns that key for the Dodgers, everyone else is picking up slack too. It, Mookie Betts only hits when they win. And when Mookie Betts doesn't hit, they don't win. That's it's as simple as that. You could argue there's a connection there. Just a little bit, you know. Maybe when your best player is hitting the baseball, it's a good thing. But he's don't getting, know, he's don't getting know. paid to do so. My goodness. I have to wonder who would ever, in their right mind, trade Mookie Betts. Why would you do that? Pondering currently. <laughs> Didn't that happen recently? Yeah, can't, can't think of why a team would ever come to that conclusion. I think something that's been really interesting about this series is you have the two teams that are the absolute opposite. You have a team that is willing to just spend all the money in the world to bring in that star power, and then you have a team like the Rays that I've talked about as like a better version of the Cardinals. I'm pretty sure the Rays' entire payroll is like Mookie Betts and Clayton it's Kershaw's. It's like a third of it or something. Or like it's, it's, it's just, it's it's like so just Mookie Betts and Clayton it's Kershaw's ridiculous. or something. But, we, but we're, seeing, we're seeing two completely different teams, two completely different styles where the Dodgers are all, you know, they have the, they have the aces, they have the loaded lineup, loaded to the max, and then you have the Rays who have a 
really solid starting pitching core, but you know, no one's getting paid a boatload. I think Blake Snell is a pretty good contract, but it's yeah, not Blake overwhelming. Snell makes good money. But it's not overwhelming. Blake Snell is probably a quarter of their team's probably like yearly. And sal- then you have contract. this and then you have this lineup that in what, two years ago, we would have known probably Probably no one on there. I think a lot Kevin of people Kiermaier, still. Maybe. I think a lot of people still probably don't. Choi Boy. Uh, oh, you, I love that once guy. Once you're out, once you're outside of you know diehard baseball people, and you get to like the people who are just like casually watching the World Series, people still really don't know this Rays team. It's like who the heck is Randy Arozarena? Yeah, I mean, like Randy, like Arozarena, like Kiermaier is you know known more to baseball people. You know where he went to college? Where, where's that? Parkland Central. Oh. Uh. Lewis and Clark's one of their rivals. Yeah. How interesting is that? It's kind of cool. We pr- produce great talent in this conference here. Yeah, we sure do. But no, I think that it, the you could. I think that is a big reason for the success is the Mookie Betts being you know the center of that offense. And right now the Dodgers averaging six runs a game compared to the Rays three pretty much. And while it's only two games to one, I think that we can. I think we can both agree that the Dodgers have overwhelmingly looked a lot better than the Rays. And you're just kind of seeing that matchup of, man, I love the way the Rays play, but it just doesn't line up to being able to have a loaded lineup and just, which is a shame. But I mean, you're seeing these top-notch pitchers for the Dodgers and, or sorry, for the, for the Rays and Tyler Glass now went, what, three innings. And then Blake Snell, even in his solid start, didn't go five innings. And then you have, Last night, Charlie Morton, I think, went five innings but allowed five runs. And the guy that has the best, like, what, the best, one of the best postseason ER, or World Series ERAs of all time. And I think it's it's just really interesting to see how that matches up. So, yes, the key to the Dodgers' success so far, it has to be the offense, which is kind of funny. Last week we talked about needed to be the key for them to go into to make it to the World Series when they're down 3-1 against the Braves. And now look at that. Ever since that game, they've lost – or ever since, yeah, that our last week's show, they've lost once. So. It. They've been on fire. Other, than, I mean, they lost that game, obviously, game two against Tampa. But for what Tampa needs to do is to play above – like what they're capable of, and that's how they've got this far already. I mean, Randy Arozarena is not a 400, you know, a 400 hitter with you know who's going to get you a home run every other night in the normal world. Broke but David, he has to play to that level. Broke David Freeze's total bases postseason record. It's a um, long postseason. Night. I know it's not fair. I hate that sucks. He'll be yeah. Freeze deserves the record. We riot unless <laughs> they give go, it back. We're going to put an asterisk next to it, like the home run record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, the Rays have to play above themselves to beat the Dodgers. That's really it. Like they I'm going to say they have to get to that point where they are playing beyond the level of baseball that they expect to play because that's how they've got here so far. I have a very interesting uh take on that or comparison, I guess you could call it. Game 3 showed us that if the Rays are somehow to win this series, it will be very similar to how the Blues won the Cup in 2019. And the reason I say that, even though St. Louis won the series, I've said this since that series happened. Boston was the better team in that series. They dominated the Blues in all three of their wins. The Blues were barely able to squeak by a couple of wins. They won one in overtime. And then, you know, there was a controversial ending to one of them in Boston at the I same time. I had resigned to the Blues losing that series like two or three times. And... The, it, I I still can't believe the Blues won that series, and I'm glad they did, of course. But yeah, fun. the Blues were able to squeak out wins and nudge wins against the Brewers in the way. After you're like, how did we win that game? 
And despite the Blues were a great team, they were just Boston was overwhelmingly better in my opinion. If the Rays somehow win this series, they are going to have to steal wins in ways that they have all season because that's the kind of team they are. You can't outhit the Dodgers. It's a challenge even with your loaded rotation to outpitch them. You can't beat them by you. The only way you can beat them is by playing your way of ball, and that's what I've talked about is scoring runs however you need to do so. They have to play great defense. They have to rely on the starters to eat innings. Right now, the Rays are bending. The question is, have they broken yet? And it's going to be really interesting. Game four is going to tell us a lot. And if game four, game four is going to be so important because the Rays have a bullpen start. I think they have Yarbrough going out, but who knows? He'll probably go no more than two or three innings, I'm assuming. I would say three innings max, yeah. This is, if you're you're a Dodgers fan or a Dodgers player, you're licking your chops right now saying, We've gotten through their first three starters, and we've won two out of three against what everyone's called the best rotation in baseball. And now we get to face the bullpen, which is a solid bullpen. Don't get me wrong. But bullpen starts, I think we could all agree. It's a bigger question. Tend to go a little bit more in favor of the hitting team because there's a lot more guys that could end up what are they going to do? You have to have a lot yeah. more guys being just, lined up to have success There's a lot that more night. variables. There's just yes. a lot more that has to fall into place when you have a bullpen game. So, and, and, you know, a lot of teams are just taking that taking that risk now because they just feel they have to. However, if you were a Rays fan, you could also say, you know, not tonight we're going against Julio Urias, who hasn't had the best past as a starter. He's looked great in the postseason as a reliever, but now he's going in as a starter. Maybe they go a little more of a bullpen start, too. And he, I can see him going a little more like four or five innings, though. But... So this game tonight is going to tell us everything we need to know about this series. We are if if the Dodgers win, the series is over because I don't care who you have going up there, whether it's it'll, I'm assuming it'll be Glass the same order Glass now Snell and then Morton five six seven. I don't think it matters if the Dodgers win tonight with how good that offense has been and they've shown that they can hit against those starters already. I say you might even see like a Snell pitch like twice potentially if they are interested you know might decide to you know take them on less rest because they'll probably there will be an off day if this series stretches out that long so they might be able to get them on like three days rest on a second start like or a third start even. i don't know if it would work out that way i'm trying to i'm trying to think because he just, started game know, two i just know that you're gonna want you know if you're tampa bay you want to have you know your best arm out there game seven and blake snell has just shown you that he's that guy still that'd be back-to-back game starts on short rest wouldn't it well, I would say you would probably sh- uh, shuffle it around. Say, yeah, you would shuffle it around to where he starts game five and then game seven. If you were, were and then tr- you could have maybe a more because there'd be an off I'm day in between those days. I'm assuming you put Glass now in game six, and then yeah, I guess you could go Morton in the from the pen or something maybe, yeah. which I mean wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, say I mean that just yeah I'm just thinking ahead yeah. to where if, if they they got to get there first. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the big point there. Well, it's going to be, I think we can all both agree that it's going to be fun to watch either way. And it'll be interesting to see if the Rays can somehow sneak out that World Series. I'd love to see them do it. Despite that, I'm still going to go Dodgers in six. I just think that this team is too good. I have them winning tonight and then game five. I think that whoever starts, I'm assuming it'll be Glass now. I think he's able to squeeze out a win and then the the Dodgers hit figure out Snell and they win games uh, six. Yeah. I think this game tonight is going to be the toss, like you know, the toss up that kind of decides it. Like you said, with 
Urias pitching for LA. I think this is their the Rays better chance to kind of get back, you know, claw back into the series. If they I, don't do it tonight, then it's yeah, over. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, tonight's the night for the Rays to do it. I I think the Rays can do it tonight. I still think the Dodgers will take this series, but I think the Rays will do it tonight. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for Take It or Live It. Leave it. My goodness, you're li- you're listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. Take it. Leave it. Leave it. Take it. Leave it. Take it. It's Take It or Leave It on the WLCA Sports Show. All right, take it or leave it. Let's go ahead and get started. First one, take it or leave it. The Baltimore Ravens, who signed Des Bryant to their practice squad this week, ends up at the, some point in this season playing on the 53-man roster for the Ravens. You know, I think I'll take it just because, you know, this is obviously kind of the latest stage of his career. I think Des Bryant is still, you know, the hands don't go away with age. He could still be a good, like, slot receiver or something, maybe short yardage situation kind of guy. I think, you know, he could fit, fit into a... I don't see him being, like, a regular guy for the Ravens, but he could fit into their scheme. It kind of fits because the Ravens really don't have too many weapons on that team, but I'm still going to leave it. He hasn't been in the league since 2017. And I mean, yes, I know that the hands, like you said, they don't go away. But when you're in the not in the league that long, kind of like with Colin Kaepernick, it's it's hard to get back into it. So I'm going to go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it's the speed adjustment more than anything. So I'm going to go ahead and leave it at this point. Next one, take it or leave it. The lightweight title fight between Khabib and Gagey will go the distance today. I'm saying yes. Uh, I know that Khabib is... A real a submission specialist, but I think we're going to see these two guys, you know, in more of a ground fight today. Um, you know, Gagey was a wrestler in college, so I'm going to say it, it, it makes it the distance. I think that Gagey surprises people and takes it that way. I'm really ha- excited that I finally get to talk about UFC on this show. Um, Khabib is too good. Uh, I got to leave it because I think Khabib will probably end this by submission fairly quickly. The only way that Gaethje actually wins this fight, and Justin Gaethje is a great fighter, he has to knock out Khabib to win the fight. There's no surviving an entire fight with Khabib. Just ask Conor McGregor. That doesn't happen. You don't survive with Khabib in the cage. You have to knock him out to win. So either way, this match does not end in a finish. All right, next one. Take it or leave it. The ACC currently has the most teams in the AP Top 25 at six. Take it or leave it. They will finish the season with the most teams in the college football playoff Top 25. You know, I started when I was looking at this last night, I was thinking of taking it. But then I was kind of wondering if the Big Ten might end up kind of taking that void and filling out some of those. Because right now, a lot of those ACC teams that are in, you know, this top 25 are kind of, I would say, less than stellar. I mean, North Carolina State is in there right now. So I think, you know, maybe the Big Ten kind of takes that role because there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that are kind of good but not great. So I could kind of see the Big Ten kind of edging out the ACC there. So I'll leave it. I'm going to leave this one also. I think that it could happen, but I think it will could be the SEC. With better teams. with Who have five teams in right now, but I think we could uh, both agree that one uh, we could get another team or two in there that will squeak in. I think the ACC, ACC is not very good. I mean, it's just, it's not very good. You know, yeah, once, I mean, you, get, once you get past the there's a few Clemson, Miami, North teams, Carolina. But like you said also, now that the Pac-12 is returning, now that the 
Big Tens are turning. I think we'll see some of those teams that are still in there. I think we'll see them kind of leave. Yeah, there is the, no the reason a North Carolina State team should be in the top 25 right now. Absolutely. When was, when was no the last reason. time that those two teams faced each other and were both in the top 25? I... I would wonder if it's ever happened, let alone if, you know, it, it, when the last time of it was. Because it would have to be a very long time because North Carolina State hasn't really been relevant in football for a very long time. Mike Emmerich, otherwise known as Doc Emmerich, announced his retirement from broadcasting for the NHL this week. Take it or leave it. Emmerich is a top five sports broadcaster all time. Uh, I'm going to probably reveal my age here and just leave it. Because I just think Doc, Doc Emmerich is a good sports commentator, but I think he's more of like this generation's NHL commentator. He's been there for 47 years. No, he hasn't been like the national NBC commentator for 47 years, though. Like he's only been like the national NBC, NHL on NBC commentator since, you know, I guess the lock, like the lockout or whenever the NBC deal started, so like 2007 or eight or something like that. But for me, for my money, it's. I'm I'm always uh, going to go with the old guys. I mean, I love going on YouTube and finding uh, old Dan Kelly blues games because Dan Kelly is okay. a great voice. But Dan Kelly over yeah, over Mike Emmerich? I think that some of the... Uh, Top five's broadcasters I think Do- all time. Doc has given some memorable calls, especially if you're a St. Louis Blues fan. He's probably given you the most memorable hockey call of your life. Uh, I think that... So uh, he might not be, you know, I th- especially if we're going to consider, you know, we start going into other sports here because you think of guys like Al, Al Michaels, you think of some of the guys that I, I'm a bi- I'm a big fan of Gary Thorne. Gary Thorne used to do NHL on ESPN back in the early 2000s. You know, there's so many great guys and not being in, the, you know, not saying that Doc Emmerich is not in the top five isn't necessarily an insult to him. It's just uh, kind of. A, comment, a commendation, if you will, of how many great commentators there have been, especially in the sport of hockey. This is a tough one. Again, I, again, this is my old age showing that, that I've watched could, hockey for too long. It's hard for me not to say that I don't think that Mike Emmerich's not the greatest hockey broadcaster of all time. I think you have to have a hockey broadcaster in there, so I take it. That's my reasoning, but that's my thought process behind it. Next one, take it or leave it. Clayton Kershaw has to pitch two more times in the World Series for the Dodgers to win. I'm going to leave it. Mm. Now I'm having second thoughts because, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to leave it. And the reason being is that I don't think that this goes seven games. The only reason that Clayton Kershaw would ever pitch uh, t- two more times is if it went seven games, and I don't think it goes seven games, so I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I think... If last night's game goes differently, I take it. But, you know, they win last night pretty convincingly. And, you know, I think that they still have the series probably in six games. So, I'm yeah, I'm also going to leave it. Next one, the Cardinals have one player win a gold glove this year. Take it or leave it. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Colton Wong, or Tyler O'Neill? I'm going to leave it. I know all those guys are in there. They're finalists for their positions. But I don't think that any of them are going to you know, break that next level. I think if anyone does, it would be Colton Wong. Tyler O'Neill actually was as I was, far as... I was pretty surprised to see him picked as a finalist, but I, I he's a good... He's definitely a great outfielder. I'll take it. I say that I think one of them will get it. I mean, you got three guys in there. Colton Wong, the reigning gold glove winner. So, I mean, I think he gets it. I think that... Can I uh, go, diverge for a second? Go Did you it. see Yadier Molina's comments about not getting the picked? The rant. 
it was intense yeah about uh, how he thinks that it's like a conspiracy by major league baseball to not you know select him as the gold glover even though major league baseball said well we just had picked this through stats because that's just like the stats that you know they had for the season because that's how tyler o'neill that's how colton wong that's how paul goldschmidt got picked and Yadier Molina still made, uh, seemed to be or believe that it was a slight against him specifically because he is a voice against Major League Baseball. Yeah. It's a bit of an interesting one. Yeah. You know, I love you, Yadi, but uh, you, you, they're just trying to they're just trying to put out the stats. <laughs> I think that it's kind of one of those situ- I think you could argue it's one of those situations kind of to a lesser extent with LeBron. How LeBron, you know, the last several years has been the best player in the league, but hasn't won MVPs. Maybe a situation like I don't, I, I don't know if you could say Yachty is the best, but he is like everyone knows Yachty's presence there. You know, Do, can you agree with that? Yeah, Not necessarily th- that think, he deserves a Gold Glove, and I think but everyone a, knows Yachty's presence, and you know that he is one of, still one of the best in the league. And I think it's been a trend for a number of years now that people know. You know who Yadier Molina is and what he's good at, and that's why some of his stats have kind of dwindled because teams are you know more afraid to test him now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then our final one, take it or leave it. Giants quarterback Daniel Jones's embarrassing trip up on his run Thursday night will become bigger than Mark Sanchez's butt fumble. I will leave it because I think the butt fumble will live for a while, and while tripping on that you know on that run is really fascinating. He got up to 21.8 miles per hour on that run, according to ESPN's next-gen stats. I saw that. He was faster than... That's faster than Lamar Jackson has ran at all, all season. Which yeah, is, that's that's really impressive. <laughs> just because he got an, a good, you know, good, you know... Longest wind. quarterback run, I think, also um, in a couple of years. If only it didn't trip. Yeah. Would have avoided a lot of... <laughs> A lot of tweets, a lot of tweets and a lot of memes, um, if not for it. So, poor guy. And they lost. I think that, they scored on the drive, though. Yeah. I mean, and that, you also that's got to keep in mind, football. Mark Sanchez's bump fumble. I think they, they the Patriots scored on that, too. So, yeah. either way, I f- we feel for him over here. Danny Dimes, you're free to drop by and <laughs> explain yourself anytime here on the WLCA Sports Show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking with... College football aficionado Mike Lemons on this week's matchups in college football. And we're going to break down that Illinois game from last night. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. We are joined by station manager and college football aficionado Mike Lemons this morning. Mike, how you doing? I'm great, man. I mean, beautiful day outside, right? I, you <laughs> I mean, it's just, a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day for sitting inside and having some chilling, watching football. You just get I, your responses just get better and better every week. With now that I, I I was thinking about this last night, I was like, man, I wonder how Mike's gonna respond to that. I was like, last week there was only one good game, and the man was just, oh, the birds are chirping, everything's great, and now we got Big Ten back. I was like, oh man, he's gonna be in the best of moods tomorrow. Well, what what makes it easier, right, on a day like today to watch college football all day long, it's I don't feel like such a you know slouch for not doing anything because outside it's not too nice. So it's true. It gives me the excuse to be, uh, you know, a guy stuck behind the TV all day long. It's a very good point. And while it is exciting, and I'm sure you're excited that the 
Big Ten is back. I know for a fact that, or well, I can assume that it dampered your mood a little bit last night watching the Illinois versus Wisconsin game. Am I correct? Um, the Big Ten starts today, right? <laughs> I think I think officially they start today. Um, last night was a tune-up game for the Big Ten. For Wisconsin. Wait, wait, you know, and I'm, we're supposed to break down how Illinois played, but um, there's not much to break down there, right? I mean, one defensive touchdown. and They fumbled I think the ball the, the second story, play of the game. Yeah, I think the bigger story is on the other side of the ball, right? I mean, uh, this Graham Mertz redshirt freshman comes in and uh, as 20 of 21, that's crazy. Five TDs. Um, and he only played because Jack Cohen, who's a starter, got hurt. So where did this guy come from? And um, so you got to watch Wisconsin to see how good they might be. But it's going to be a long season for Illinois. You know, two and six at best, right, for them this year. Um it was just it was a sad start for the Big Ten, a sad start for Illinois. For all that don't know, Illinois faced Wisconsin last night, lost forty-five to seven. 87 passing yards, 131 rushing yards compared to um, Wisconsin's 248 passing yards and 182 rushing yards. Is that good? Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, the, the, um, what I thought was the best part about it was I was at work last night, and but the game was on, so I was able to kind of keep up with it. And so, so you were kept away from this, is yeah, what you were saying? Kind of. I mean, I was there enough to be able to watch the a lot of the badness of it, but you know, it's fourteen nothing, and next thing I look, it's fourteen seven. I'm like, hey, they did something. That's and a football game I, at that point. I looked at, I saw the replay, and I was like, oh my gosh, is that not the most Illinois way to score on that fumble recovery? Hey, you play, you play to the whistle. That's that's football. <laughs> Who cares I, if everyone else forgot that the game was still going? I out? lost it. I was, isn't it crazy to think that Illinois Illinois would not have scored if it wasn't for that fluke of a play? It's not that crazy to think because they're not that good of a football team. <laughs> Very fair. I, uh, and I, as someone, I watch. Uh, all Illinois games, and I'm sorry, I've spent I'm very sorry hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars of my of my own money traveling <sighs> to watch this Illinois football team play football games, and this is exactly what I expected out of this game one. And a couple hours before the game, they announced that Devin Witherspoon and Isaiah Gay, two of their best defensive players, Isaiah Gay on the line, Devin Witherspoon in the secondary, were out of the game. And without those two, you're, without that pressure added to the quarterback and without you know an actually capable defensive back in the secondary, you know Wisconsin, Graham Mertz, they just threw the ball all over the field without much pressure, without much trouble. Uh, I mean, 20 for 21. 20 for 21, 248 yards, and the only reason they didn't have more yards is that Wisconsin started the ball midfield half the time. Uh, you know, it, this is an Illinois performance. I think this is exactly what Illinois expected. I don't think... Aww. Yeah, yeah, oh, indeed. That's, but I don't think they were disappointed. I don't think they were disappointed that much. I think they are probably aware that Wisconsin was a much better football team than them, even though Wisconsin's offense is... You know, I guess a new look offense. You know, outside of their own group, I think that you know they're pretty confident in Graham Mertz, and hey, I'm confident in him too after that game. Uh, you know, I guess the positive, if you want to try to make a positive for Illinois here, is that Isaiah Williams, who is a redshirt QB from St. Louis, he played a snap at wide receiver and then played a few snaps at quarterback for Illinois. 
So it's kind of intriguing to see if they are, you know, willing to kind of break away from the Brandon Peters era of Illinois football and try to get into, you know, Isaiah Williams, who they believe could actually be a very good quarterback and probably, you know, I think is the best quarterback the Illini have had since Juice Williams, you know, led the charge against Ohio State, you know, almost 15, you know, almost 15 years ago now. Nathan, Nathan, you, uh, with those two guys that were out, two questions. How big of a difference would they have made, do you think, in this game? I think. And what about my two and six prediction for them at best? Uh, I would say the difference would have been mostly uh, getting, you know, kind of giving. I don't think, you know, one, you know, one good defensive back in a secondary that's often, you know, dropping back five or six guys doesn't entirely, you know, solve that problem. But I think having Isaiah Gay on the line definitely affects, you know, how comfortable Graham Mertz is sitting there and throwing the football. I think. Isaiah Gay probably adds a bit more pressure and you know I don't think the difference is you know enough to swing a game or swing the game to even within like the spread even but I think Illinois looks more of a football team with Witherspoon and Isaiah Gay on the field but um, to your question about the record I think after this game two and six is probably a definite you know realistic and reliable I would say a consistently I would say a good expectation for Illinois this season I think you know they might try to they could probably steal a win but i think this has kind of shown that their steal a win uh, probability is going to be low if they are not at full capacity this year i mean if if they play purdue next week and i believe if is it randall moore is that their stars their big guy's name their their star i think is running back yeah if he's he's not playing this week and the university did not say why but we can probably assume it's because when the Big Ten announced their delay, he opted out, but then he opted back in once they said they were going to play. I'm assuming it's something based around that. If he plays next week, I'd say Illinois loses that game, but if he doesn't, then that's a game that Illinois could potentially steal. And then you have maybe like a Rutgers later in the season. They played half decent against, half decent against Nebraska last year. You got Northwestern. So there's a couple of games. I think but- their wins right now are probably Northwestern and Rutgers. And then the question marks kind of get into Purdue and Nebraska. And then that, you know, that's your, you know, two wins. Def, I would say two wins definitely, you know, four wins absolute max capacity. So are you agreeing two and six is most likely what you're going to see? Yeah, I think, it's, I think two and six is probably the direction Illinois is going, especially after I- last night. Yeah, I think two and six at best. I might even be I would agree concerned about a one and seven. Yeah, I would agree with that. I and think they, this is this is the, that's how Illinois works too. Is that they have that capability to kind of hang in there with teams and pull off these sneaky games. I mean, hey, they beat this Wisconsin team last year, and it was a probably a better Wisconsin team, and probably I mean also a, a better Illinois team. And this is just this is the Illinois football mo of. They win games that they probably shouldn't win. They lose games that they probably should win. And then they lose games that they probably should lose as well. I want to, another positive thing that we can talk about about Illinois um, real quick is Illinois quietly has the best uniforms in the Big Ten. Like, I mean, I mean, they lost. They played like <laughs> crap last night. But boy, oh boy, did they look good in those yeah. white unis yeah, say, playing like crap. The, the all whites look great on the road. They I looked think good. They've kind of been tinkering with the Illinois uniform since about like the Juice Williams Illinois them. era, 
And I think they're I think they're solid right now. You know, if any, if anything, it's a nice distraction from the actual on field <laughs> activity. Hide the pain. You know what? You know what might be most surprising about Illinois is the fact that they lost 47, 45 to seven last night, and we spent almost ten minutes talking about them. That's I have no idea that how we. I have no idea how we did so. And the last thing I want to ask before we move into more entertain, exciting college football talk is. Going into next week's game, what does Lovey Smith tell his team? And, you know, how does he, you know, fire them up going into a game against Purdue? You know, I don't think he does necessarily. I think this is more or less a – he – Lovey Smith understands the jo- what this Illinois team can do. And I think this Illinois team understands that – or they where suck. they are at. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Peters was the leading rusher for this team last night. And while – you know, I, I'm glad that he feels comfortable and a more mobile kind of, you know, more mobile out of the pocket quarterback than he's been in the past. Whenever a not mobile Brandon Peters is your leading rusher by 40 yards over your yeah. running back, it is not a good uh, sign for your offense. And the Illinois offense is trending the wrong way. I think Lovey kind of understands that because I think. What has kind of been the narrative around Illinois football in the past is that their defense is good and their offense wasn't very good. Now their offense is okay, maybe, which, you know, seven points on the def- on defense against Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, and now their defense is worse than that. And I think that like that's kind of flipped over the time that Lovey's been there. And I think Lovey's going to try to focus on getting the defense, uh, you know, in check for this game against, you know, if the defense holds Purdue to 14, 20 points, it's a winnable football game. Last weekend, the nation watched number two Alabama face off against number three Georgia and was recognized as probably the biggest game of the regular season up to this point. Probably will be the biggest game of the regular season from here on out also. And that at half, Georgia was leading that game 24 to 20. However, Alabama took over in the second half, not allowing a point, won the game 41 to 24. Guys, did Alabama prove that they are the best team in the country? I'll start with you, Mike. You know, I think they proved they're worthy of the discussion for sure. You know, you play Georgia, who was the best defense coming in at that point, and you put up 560 yards of total offense on them. Um, your quarterback throws for 40 yards and four touchdowns, and the running back rushes for 150. And, you know, both Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Waddell each had 160-plus yards receiving. Um, you do that to what was the number one defense in the nation? Yeah, I mean... I think there's an argument there about how they have to play a tougher schedule. They're beating better competition, and they're doing it impressively. Yeah, I mean, I'm not so sure that I'm not ready to call them the best team in the country. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I, and it's a and it's a tough situ tough argument to say. Are they do they deserve to be number one over Clemson when Clemson's done nothing really but win except for the game against LSU last year in the national championship for how many years now? Um, and the way they're playing is just absolutely dominant. But like you said, Mike, the strength of schedule that Alabama is performing so well against this year, it's really hard to take away from that and somehow not say that they're the number one team in the country after they beat the number three team in the country by 17. And I think we could agree, all I think we could all, could all agree that there's probably three of those top tier teams in college football, and Georgia still is one of those. And Alabama's the only team that I, I, that has beat a top-tier team this year and did it impressively. 
And, while, and, and, and like you uh, like you said, while Clemson has looked good, their 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 strength of schedule is just you know absolutely nowhere near comparing with Alabama's. Sure, and you know even though we talk up, you know I just talked about all those yards, <clears throat> we still can't knock Georgia too much. I mean, they're winning that game at halftime, and you know the second half starts with three punts, and then Alabama finally took the lead with like four minutes left in the third quarter. So for almost three quarters. You know, George is in that game, and then there's a pick and another touchdown and a pick and another touchdown. So it, it kind of went out of whack from four minutes left in the third period to about nine minutes left in the fourth uh, quarter, not period, that that game really switched and got turned upside down on its head. George is still a great team, and I'm happy to see that they didn't fall too far um, because they are still a really good team. But with Bama, you know, there are people out there listening probably saying, okay, great. Yeah, they're scoring all these points, but what about their defense? Well, you brought up a great point there in the the change there in the second half, and I think that we learned a couple of things about Georgia. We learned that Stetson Bennett, you know, the youth, um, the youth, I have the youthfulness, the youthful. I don't know how what word you'd use there, but the you saw the young quarterback in him, the young kid, kind of come up that uh, come out there, you know, that he hasn't been put in a situation where the inexperience. I think is yes, what you're going there for. it is. Voila, inexperience. Um, we saw that come out there that. We haven't seen him have to throw the ball to score points in a quick in a short amount of time this year yet. And Georgia Alabama did, like you said Mike didn't look very impressive there in the four, in the third quarter still. Um Georgia was driving the ball, Alabama was able to get a couple of lucky stops in what I in my opinion what they were. And it kind of, you know, Stetson Bennett made one mistake, I think, where he threw behind a guy a little bit and it was um, bobbled or tipped and then Alabama came down with it. And at that point now, Alabama, you're winning. If you're Alabama, you're winning 27-24. You have the ball and I think they scored again. And now you're down by 10 with, what, three minutes left in the third quarter. And now the pressure is starting to come on. Now it's like, okay, we have to throw the ball now. And that's where I think you saw the game kind of fade away from Stetson Bennett because up to that point, the running game is what had been so dominant for Georgia up to that point is the mixture of being able to Alabama truly not knowing what was coming, the throw or the pass, what was so, which is what had Georgia looking so good in the first half. And once you took away the running game and it's not that Alabama took it away really it's that Georgia was forced to throw the ball everything else kind of fell apart for them you know and after that 90 yard touchdown pass uh, to Waddle um, the Bama scored in the third in the third quarter Georgia took it to the Bama 25 in two plays and then the Bennett throws the pick so I mean they were coming right back and it looked like they were going to you know, take the lead again, and it was going to go back and forth for a while. But when he threw that pick and they scored again, now all of a sudden, wow, we came into this quarter winning. Now we're losing. We just gave up two touchdowns. You're right. And now I've got to do a little bit more. Uh, you know, the picks is what killed him, and that's that's the knock. So we can't really talk too much trash on Georgia's defense. They were put in a very, very bad situation there in that third and fourth. And that's why I say, and we talked about this earlier in the week, Mike, is – this game will be an even better game if they face again in the SEC championship because at that point, Stetson Bennett is going to have a little more experience under his belt. Shout out Nathan Tucker for that word. Um, and then, uh, but So I think that that'll be a huge factor coming into the SEC championship potentially that we see later in the year that Stetson Bennett is going to be a much, probably a much more matured quarterback at that point. He's going to have 
he's going to understand, okay, now I've been in a big spot like this a couple of times this season. Now I can, you know, the hope is that he can throw the ball a little bit better and Georgia can keep that game plan, that mix down to the end of the game or close to, and it may end up being a different game next time. It could be, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it'll be it'll be fun to watch for sure to see how those teams kind of end up showing up. Nathan Tucker, um, I, I think something kind of fun to me is, I don't know if you got a, had a chance or you, Mike, also had a chance to watch Clemson beat the living crap out of Georgia Tech last week. They won 73-7. to Trevor Lawrence threw for 400 yards in the first half. They even had their punter in the fourth quarter come in and play quarterback, and I, he made a couple of receptions. And, I mean, Georgia Tech is, you know, they've never been a great team, but they've never been a awful team. Like, they've been ranked in past years. They've, you know, they're, they end up, they would, they'll probably end up being a 500 team this year. So, I mean, it's not like they're awful. Just for, you know, for giggles, what is more and more entertaining or more impressive of a win? Clemson's win over Georgia Tech or Alabama's win over Georgia? It must be really nice to be the number one team in the country and to get to play Georgia Tech and wins by 70 and all that while Alabama and Georgia have to like dogfight each other just to stay in the playoff hunt because I think it's it's such an easy walk for Clemson. That's It's, it's a, almost a joke. Alabama's win is 20, 30 times more impressive because I think there's 10 different teams that could probably beat Georgia Tech by that much. Okay, fair. I agree, Mike. I agree. I agree. You know, I think Alabama doing what they did to Georgia in their defense and staying tough at them for three quarters and then just taking over after that, that's so much more impressive. I mean, Georgia Tech, yes, they might have had decent teams in the past. They're not very good at all. So, my, my vote is for the Alabama win being much more impressive. So if Clemson continues to dominate these teams, if Clemson continues to put up 50, 60, 70 points on teams, do they hold that number one spot until we see them falter a little bit? I think we won't know until they play Notre Dame um, in the first week in November. How well did they play against Notre Dame? Because they have Syracuse today, Boston College, the Notre Dame, Florida State, Pitt, and Virginia Tech. Um, I Alabama could potentially leapfrog them if they keep winning the way they win and Clemson struggles with Notre Dame. Otherwise, there's no reason to change it. Um, they've not done anything to give it up. So, And if both teams are going to be there in the end anyway, at one or two, it doesn't really matter. Nathan Tucker, do you? we saw Mac Jones put up an absolutely phenomenal performance last week against Georgia. Is that enough to move him ahead of Trevor Lawrence in those Heisman talks or even him, or is he still behind him? What are you thinking on that? You know, I wouldn't put him ahead, but I definitely think he's in the conversation now. I think, you know, I think you almost have to be. uh, Being an Alabama quarterback almost puts you in the Heisman conversation by default, I would imagine, because... Well, they've never had one win, actually. It's kind of surprising knowing, like, the history of quarterbacks that have come through Alabama just... You, you it's just, more recent history, I feel like. Yeah, anything, at least that, well, it's like the Saban era history, I yeah, guess okay. you would say. But you know, I think you know, maybe Najee Harris kind of keeps keeps him kind of away from the Heisman conversation just because they kind of cancel each other out. They've been they've both been so good this year. You know, I think he's definitely deserving to be in that conversation. But I think Trevor Lawrence hasn't faltered at all. I think Trevor Lawrence still is the guy right you, now. You agreeing, Mike? Yeah, Lawrence still has all the notoriety and most of the national buzz just because it, you know, carried over from from last year. So, 
yes, Lawrence is still ahead, and he's probably not going to lose that lead. But something to think about, Mac Jones is ahead of where Joe Burrow was at this point last year in a lot of categories like completion percentage and QBR, um, I think maybe even yards. So um, if you look at last year's uh, Heisman winner, Mac Jones is putting up as impressive numbers, if not better, in some categories. I th- and I think that we could both say that Joe Burrow, and I'm not saying those stats aren't impressive because Mac, Mac Jones has been phenomenal, but I think we could both agree that Joe Burrow got better as the season went on, though, with and we saw their wins against even better teams get more and more dominant as the season went on. But, um, you know, now moving towards the Big Ten, which begins today, we've we've talked about a few Big Ten teams here and there, but one team that we really haven't chatted about much this year is Michigan. What should we expect out of the Wolverines this season, Mike? You know, I think the big thing is, I don't know what to expect necessarily, but... Harbaugh is finally, you know, starting a QB that he recruited. And this is Joe Milton guy, 6'5", 240. Um, he's supposed to be the real deal. So I think it's the quarterback play because they've kind of had, you know, um, not real good success with the quarterback uh, position for them for a while. Um, their offensive line last year wasn't great. And it's been replaced with uh, a new offensive line because I think they lost four starters uh, last year. So how much protection are they going to give this guy? Um all new receivers, I believe, except for Ronnie Bell. So um, how is this offense going to perform? But for me in Michigan, it's prove it to me. You know, Harbaugh is, uh, what is it, like 2-12 and 12 against top 10 teams. So today I think they're going to struggle with Minnesota. Uh, and if they don't, let's say they blow Minnesota out today, that's, that's fine. But are you going to be good enough to beat Wisconsin and Penn State and Ohio State when you haven't been able to beat top-ranked teams in the past? Um, I think we're going to get more of the same. Um, I think that Harbaugh is going to lose to Ohio State again, which isn't going to bode well. And they're not really talking contracts. This is supposed to be like a a prove-it year for, for Harbaugh. And if, if I think he loses to Ohio State again or doesn't have um, – any kind of upside in this season, you know, we could finally see a change there. So what do we expect out of Michigan? I expect them to win the games they're supposed to win. Um, I don't think they're going to beat any of the top 10 teams that they'll play. And I think we'll get more of the same. So clearly Ohio State, I think we could all agree, is the top team um, in the Big Ten right now. And I think there's an argument to be made that I think we could have said that Penn State was probably the number two going in. But after Wisconsin's impressive you know I mean it's Illinois but I mean the quarterback play looked phenomenal out of um, Mertz could we see kind of a change in that in the next uh, you know even after this week's uh, game for Wisconsin or again for Penn State against Indiana could we see the number two team in that conference change very quickly Mike Um, potentially you know um, Penn State has a new uh, a lot of new parts as well you look at that line, I think that line against Indiana today is only like six and a half, um, which makes you wonder why. I mean, Indiana can score, um, but why is that line only six and a half? That causes some concern. But yeah, I mean, obviously coming in, Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, they have a lot of new parts too, but really, really top talent uh, at Ohio State. Penn State's supposed to be the number two team, but keep in mind, they're probably not going to get to the Big Ten championship game because they're on the same side of the division Oh, I'm saying it's not the conference that Ohio State is. So um, I don't know that we're going to see a change at top because I don't know how many people believe in teams like Minnesota yet 
or um, Wisconsin, you know, historically has had good defenses, but what they did last night, is it impressive because they did it to Illinois? I don't know. So um, it has to be Minnesota or Wisconsin, probably Wisconsin, that would probably break into that top two if it's not Ohio State, Penn State. Yeah, I think, I, th- I kind of think Penn State kind of holds steady there because I don't necessarily think that this Wisconsin team or uh, you know Michigan or Minnesota is that much or any better than Penn State uh, you know Minnesota's old offensive coordinator joined Penn State this year Kirk Soraka you know mm-hmm. if that system is you know if that if he can run that system in Penn State the way he like Minnesota really put up points in that offense and if they can run that offense in Penn State with a much better group of talent you know bigger talent all the way around you know they could put up points the way you know not many other Big Ten team, ugh, not many other Big Ten teams, excuse me, can put up points. And that's probably the only way that they can compete with an Ohio State. I mean, I don't, I don't think that will put them over the top because I think Ohio State would still probably beat them by twenty in a head-to-head matchup. But I think that Penn State is probably solidly the number two team team in the Big Ten right now. I, I think that I would agree with that at this point, but I think that that could change after. All right, it probably will change after the Ohio State matchup. We do have to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to have our picks for the week for today's college football matchup. Matchups, you are listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show. I'm Ethan Hannaford, joined by Nathan Tucker and college football aficionado Mike Mike Lemons, my goodness. I was about to say Mike Russell, and I just <laughs> blanked out for a second. I was like, last name, last name, Mike Lemons. Wow. There it is. I'm so sorry, Mike <laughs> Lemons. Hope you, right, hope you can forgive me. Um, <laughs> so before we get into our picks for this week, we talked earlier, Nathan Tucker, about Michael Thomas, and I think he looks like 21 Savage. Do you agree with me? Now that I have had the chance to review uh, the pictures, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And yes. it doesn't help that he has like the exact same hairstyle. I know, I know. Mike, Mike, do you even know who 21 Savage is? Um, yes. That's a lie. You liar. <laughs> There's a question mark at the end of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, we'll leave it at that. He's a rapper. I'll just, that's about, you, you probably don't care, but that's about all you need to know about 21 Savage. Okay. All right. So time to get into some picks. First matchup, the only un, or unranked versus unranked team that we have this week, and that's because it is Mizzou facing off against the Wildcats in Kentucky. Nathan Tucker, who you got in this one? You know, Kentucky completely stomped. Tennessee last week. I mean, I think Tennessee played Georgia better than they played Kentucky. Uh, you know, I think Kentucky's really hot, and the Tigers kind of had, you know, they're coming off a really big win, but they kind of had to take a, you know, enforced break due to COVID against Vanderbilt. You know, I, I think Mizzou's probably found their QB, but I don't think they catch lightning in a bottle twice. I think Kentucky will handle this one pretty easy. Mike, how about you? Yeah, you know, I'd love to go with Mizzou, but like I mentioned last week, it was a shame that they had to take a week off after the big win over LSU. Um, Kentucky, man, they just, they exposed Tennessee, yeah? And uh, we, I think you and I picked that game, didn't we, Didn't we, just, or, uh, Nathan? Yeah, we did, I believe. <laughs> um, but I, I just don't, I don't see Mizzou um, beating Kentucky. I, I like Kentucky today. I'm going to go ahead and agree. Kentucky wins this one. I really, I was very tempted to pick 
Mizzou in this one because the SEC has been so back and forth on, you know, kind of like the Big 12, just picking each other apart. And this is a matchup that I could see can uh, that I could see Mizzou sneaking in there and getting a win. But Kentucky's looked really good the last few weeks. So I'm going to go with Kentucky in this one also. Next matchup, Virginia facing off against Miami on the road. Miami's the home team. Miami ranked as the number 11 team in the country right now. I'm going to go ahead and stick with Miami in this one. I I looked into this for a little while, but Virginia just has not looked good the last couple of weeks at all. They're one and three right now, and I don't see them getting uh, in the win column this week. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, I've already told you guys my dislike for most Florida teams, and I tried to find a way that Virginia wins this game, but I, I don't see it happening. So. I'll go with Miami. Yeah, I don't think this one's much of a game. I think this will be another kind of a classic case of Miami having to stay sharp. And if they sleepwalk through a game that they think they can easily win, you know, it could be a tougher game than they think. But I think the Hurricanes take this one pretty easily. Next matchup, number eight, Penn State. The Nittany Lions facing off against Indiana in Bloomington. Who do you have winning this one, Nathan? You know, I love being able to talk about Big Ten football again. It is great that's yeah it, it is to me the heart and soul of college football uh you know I, I think you know Penn State Penn State is going to be a little bit too much firepower for Indiana Indiana has a really good team and I think Indiana's offense specifically is really interesting but I think Penn State can't you know Penn State will uh, contain them enough to push ahead I think it'll be a high scoring game though I agree I think that Penn State's gonna win this one I um I just don't see Indiana being really able to compete with them much in this matchup. Penn State rolls big in this one. I got to say, I feel more confident about my picks this week than I have ever, probably. And and I've looked really bad the last few weeks. I told Mike um, earlier this week, I said that I... I basically came to the conclusion that I suck at picking all football, NFL and college, and I was you know, more of a baseball picking guy. And uh, hopefully I can change that a little bit this week. But, uh, Mike, who do you have in this one, Penn State or Indiana? This is one of the most intriguing games for me this week because I really want to see what Penn State's offense is all about. And Indiana can score, and I agree with, with Nathan that this is going to be a high-scoring game because Penn State last year was absolutely horrible in the secondary. So... This could be this could be a really really interesting game, but I'll give the nod to to Penn State winning in the end. Next matchup, the top dog in the country for now at least, the Clemson Tigers facing off against Syracuse in a matchup that I'm going to go ahead and say they probably have a very good chance of putting up at least 60 back to back weeks. Mike, how about you? I'm I'm just leaving it at that. Clemson wins big. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm almost thinking in and uh, for future weeks to save some time, we don't even pick Clemson games. We don't let's not pick a Clemson game again until they play Notre Dame. I mean, it, it's as simple as <laughs> it's as simple as like, hey, listeners, Clemson plays today, but they're gonna win. So yeah. that's about all we need to tell you. So yeah, the, the only thing you really look at with Clemson is how how much do they go beyond the spread? And today's spread is forty four and a half. And you know, do they score a lot more points? That's what we should be picking. Is yes, I think they're going to score more. <laughs> they're going to score more than forty-five points more than than Syracuse. Nathan, you agree? Clemson big. Yeah, I mean, it might be like, you know, maybe at best a forty-point win, but or at worst a forty-point win, I should say. Then at best, you know, seventy, eighty. It's it's not close. And bottom of the ACC is the bottom. Is it's. It's the dregs of college football right now, I would ne- say. Next matchup, another Big Ten showdown. Nebraska 
facing off against number five, Ohio State. Justin Fields making his sophomore year debut. Um, You know, he's a top three. I think they're saying right now he's the third most likely for that Heisman um, Award. Mike, who do you have in this one? I have Ohio State. You know, to not play and to have to wait all those weeks in your first game to be Nebraska, Ohio State doesn't even have to be sharp today and they win this game. But I, I think... I think they're going to roll, man. I, I I like Ohio State and I like them big. Yeah, I think Ohio. I mean, it's going to be Ohio State pretty comfortably. I think, really, if you look through Ohio State's positions, the depth chart, their only real question is on defensive line because they lost three or four starters gone to the NFL, and now you know, Illinois or Nebraska's offensive line is pretty experienced, but I think that's the only real like close battle on the field today, and I think that's not enough to swing it. I think Ohio State still wins big. Yeah, I agree. Ohio State wins big in this one. Next matchup, I'm I'm intrigued by this next matchup. Number three, Notre Dame facing off against Pittsburgh. Notre Dame winning a game against Louisville last week by five. Final score was twelve to seven, and it was a very ugly looking game. And kind of put a lot of question marks. This is the number three team in the country right now, beating a Louisville does team. Anyone, that, does anyone believe that? that I mean, really? I mean, no. They'll no. be, I mean, give it a couple weeks. They're on TV enough to be the number three team in the country. Give it a couple weeks when they face Clemson and they'll drop just like uh, North Carolina did. Maybe not as far, but they'll they'll drop to at least 10 or maybe like Florida did a couple weeks ago. Maybe more number 10 spot. But yeah, uh, I'm going to go. I, I think this one will be closer than people think but i'm gonna go ahead and say notre dame wins this one how about you nathan i actually think this is gonna be pitt's game because pitt's looked pitt's not Whoa. really played anyone that there's a, great there's a pick but i don't necessarily think that no- notre dame barely scraped a win against a florida state team that only beat jacksonville state by a score it's yeah, they won by a couple touchdowns oh, didn't they? two scores yeah sorry okay. but I think the point stands pretty pretty much still. They were losing a lot of that football game, and the Notre Dame Florida State game was awful. Just a terrible like twelve to seven final score. Just not not what you want out of a football game. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame has it. I don't think they have the momentum right now. I think you know Pitt will be hungry and knows you know they've had this game circled on their calendar all year. This will be a game that they're up for. I think this is going to be Pitt pulling off an upset, which probably isn't that much of an upset, really. Do the Irish get upset this week, Mike? <laughs> I didn't think so, but, man, he makes a pretty compelling argument. Um, no, I, I, I'm still going to go with Notre Dame, but if he calls this one right, we're going to have to put aficionado uh, before his name. And take it away from <laughs> Ooh, okay. There, all right. We'll, uh, we'll leave it up to the Irish. We'll s- wait and see what happens today. Next matchup. The number two Alabama Crimson Tide facing off against their Biddle rivals. What's normally wait is it usually is today the third Saturday in October? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was for some reason going into this, I was thinking third Saturday in November, and I don't I don't know what happened. So, so that's like Thanksgiving. It's the thir- yeah, it's the third Saturday in October. So that means Alabama, Tennessee. Who do you have in this one, Mike? Alabama. I mean, I just made the argument to why I think they could be the best team. And I think that Kentucky really exposed Tennessee. And Tennessee has some problems that uh, you just can't have when you're playing against Alabama. So I, I like Alabama. I like them big. Yeah, I mean, if Kentucky is going to run Tennessee by as much as they did last week, I don't see how Tennessee you know, even stays in the first half of this game, let alone the whole the whole game. I think 
you know, you're going to have another big game from the guys you expect to have a big game for Alabama, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, that receiving core. It's going to be another big week for the Bama defense. I think Bama could win this game by like 40 or more. I think they could they could win this game by the Clemson-Syracuse spread. And I don't think you have to worry about a hangover. I mean, I don't no. think Nick Saban will allow that to happen. So, um, I, yeah, I think they're I think Bama rolls big. Yeah, I would agree with that. Bama rolls big, and they're uh, they're um, hitting up those cigars after the game. Next matchup, and, and we talked about this uh, earlier, Mike. The the matchup uh, number twenty three North Carolina State facing number fourteen North Carolina, and I mean we. Don't know if they've ever faced each other when... Oh, here it is. I found it. It's the third time ever, but since um, 1993 was the last time that these two teams faced each other and they were both ranked. North Carolina State, North Carolina. Who do you have in this one, Mike? You know, I know I know. North Carolina laid an egg last week, um, and people may think, why is that spread so big? It's 14 and a half. North Carolina State really hasn't played anyone of significance. I think... I think Mac Jones gets those guys back today, and and North Carolina wins big. You said Mac Jones? Is, that Is it Mac Jones? Who's the coach? Mac uh, Mac Brown. Mac Brown. Thank you. Sorry. Mac Jones, Alabama quarterback's gonna yeah, get it done today brain, for, the, for the Tar Heels. No, I think North Carolina bounces bounces back big. I, th- I think they win. I think they win pretty comfortably today, actually. Yeah, I think I mean, this is the first matchup, a ranked matchup between North Carolina and North Carolina State since before uh, Rams legend Tory Holt. Was on the field for North Carolina State back in the '90s, because this is just dating back. You can't re- really remember a t- time where these two teams were actually that good. At least in me and Ethan's good for lifetime. the rivalry. Yeah, you know, I got, I guess, you know, the lo- <laughs> the that passionate NC State North Carolina football rivalry that's existed for so long. Uh, you know, I think UNC is going to be probably out to kind of prove that they're still a good football team after, like Mike said, laying an egg to Florida State. Losing to Florida State should be punishable by expulsion in the ACC at this point (laughs) because it is... That is the absolute like watermark of are you a good or bad football team? Did, if Florida State is beating you, then you are a bad football team. Did you see how they lost that game at the, the, the fourth down play? Did you see that? Yeah. Just dropping. I mean, was wide open. Had the ball just that's that's just classic college football right that, there. Uh, I felt for the you got that kid probably felt awful. Rough ending to that one. I'm gonna go ahead and say North Carolina wins this one. Also have a good bounce back win. Come out a little bit, you know, determine a, a rival game that they um, bounce back and get this win. Um, speaking of rivalry games, the oldest rivalry um, in college football that has an actual uh, like trophy or the something. The little brown jug. There it is. Yep. Michigan and Minnesota. Minnesota, the home team in this one. Nathan, who you got in this one? You know, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be Michigan. I think you know, if if the kids are ready, you know, if quarterback Shea Peterson's ready, I think you know Harbaugh's Joe got Mi- Joe Milton. Yeah, Joe Milton. You said Shea Peterson. Sorry, I got, I got. I'm getting everything mixed up. Got thrown back to the bad times of Michigan. Don't yes. bring that name up for Michigan See, fans. I'm, I'm reading five names at once here, and that's my own fault. But yeah, I think. Yeah, this will be as you know. Mike said earlier, the season is kind of the you know sink or swim season for the you know, Harbaugh's Michigan. I think they'll get off to a decent start against a Minnesota team that'll probably be you know different looking than we've seen in the past without their offensive coordinator. This is going to be, and I, I'm not super confident on this, but this is my upset pick of the week. Minnesota's at home. Um, this is uh, PJ PJ. What's his last? P.J. Fleck. Fleck, yeah. Fleck. This is mm-hmm. probably his 
um, best recruit, recruited class he's ever had coming in. So I think that uh, they take that. They have some momentum at home coming off their probably their best so, season so ever. So you think the boat is rowing? Is yes. What you're saying. Gophers win this one in a close one. Um, that's 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 my upset pick of the week. How about you, Mike? Man, I almost want to change my pick now because I'm agreeing with you. Um, I like wow, Minnesota. that will never be said again. <laughs> yeah. My goodness. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on this one just because Michigan, man, they just they always seem to disappoint at times. But, you know, they do win the games they're supposed to win usually. They just usually can't win those big ones. Um, you could argue this is a big game. I know this this could go either way though. I mean this could go either way. Uh, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Minnesota at home. Next matchup that I think is one that's going very under the wire. There's only nine teams left undefeated in the FBS right now, and these are two of those teams. Cincinnati at number nine and SMU at number sixteen. Mike, who do you have one in this one? Well, you know, a lot of the talk is on SMU and their offense, right? And uh what's the quarterback's Boucher, um, who can throw the ball all over the place. I like Cincinnati, and I like Cincinnati's defense, and they're the higher-ranked team, but they're the underdog in this game. Um, I, I like it. I, I like Cincinnati. I think they're going to they're gonna, uh, pull off the minor upset today. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I think for Cincinnati, the key is really uh, they've had some issues with turnovers so far, and their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, can be turnover-prone. If they can limit those turnovers and keep that SMU offense off the field in combination with that defense, I think Cincinnati can win this game by a touchdown or so. And, you know, like you say, pull off that slight, you know, un-upset but still an upset. I'm going to go ahead and agree. I think Cincinnati wins this one, gets a close win on the road. I think that we can – I think we can all agree that the team that wins this game is probably going to represent that non-Power 5 in the New Year's Six Bowl. But, um, no, I I think this is actually going to be a really fun game to watch. I think it'll be um, probably a little more on the offensive side than defensive side. Um, But, no, I think Cincinnati wins a close one. And then our WLCA game. Hold on. One one quick thing about that game, too, is SMU is without Reggie Roberson. Their guy scored five touchdowns this year. They're without him today. But also remember that Cincinnati had a bye, and then they didn't play last week because of COVID. So Cincinnati hasn't played in 21 days. So a couple of factors there, one for SMU's favor and one in Cincinnati's favor. Next matchup, our WLCA game of the week. Probably the last time we'll say that for the Big 12 this year. It might be the only time that we've said that for the Big 12 this year. Iowa State facing off against Oklahoma State. The reason it's such a big game is because Oklahoma State, when was the last time that they competed for a national championship? Probably, what, 2012 Brandon Whedon days? It's been a little while. But uh, this is going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, Nathan, who do you have winning this one? I'll say it's going to be a good old-fashioned Big 12 shootout, probably. I mean, 120 you, combined points or so. Yeah, you know, <laughs> thousand something yards in the air, probably in the air alone, probably. Like, you know, I think it's going to be a really close one. I think the Cyclones can pull this upset. You know, Brock Purdy's playing his game. I think, you know, this is as big a toss-up as there can be. Like the Big 12 is just a continuous toss-up for me. I don't necessarily think that. When you're at the top of it, there's one team that really stands out as being better than the other teams. I think, you know, the Cyclones are probably, yeah, not, you know, they're, they're, you know, the Cyclones have had struggles against the top half of the Big 12 in the past. They're apparent they're one in five on the road against Oklahoma State in recent meetings, which is not, you know, doesn't spell well, but they're five and one in their last six games against their Big 12 opponents. I think the Cyclones can handle this one. 
I'm going to go ahead and say Oklahoma State in this one. And this is more of just a hope that we can get another team that's kind of clawing for a playoff spot just to keep it more entertaining. I think this will be a good game down to the wire. Um, I, it's funny, Iowa State, if they wouldn't have had that rupture week one, they would be probably a top 10 team. And this would be a much more exciting matchup than it, than it or hyped up yeah, matchup. This would probably be is. the Big 12 game of the year probably. if that case. Yeah. yeah, so I'm still going to say Oklahoma State in this one. Mike, before you give your pick, I want you to give us some keys to the game, but then go into your pick. So uh, can you go ahead and give us that for me? Sure. Keys to the game is uh, one thing is Oklahoma State. I'm a big fan of Oklahoma State. You guys know that. But they haven't really played anyone. And without that early season loss you just mentioned by Iowa State, they lose by Iowa State to Louisiana. They came back and beat TCU. Then they beat Oklahoma. And if they win today, they beat Oklahoma State. So if they win all those three games and they're undefeated in conference, they've got a clear path. Even a loss to Texas wouldn't derail them to the Big 12 championship. So they could really vie for that championship. And with Oklahoma State... You know, the fact that they haven't really seen them play anyone kind of scares me. And then are they going to be able to run the table? Can they beat Texas? Can they beat K-State? Can they beat Oklahoma? Uh, Can they beat TCU? I mean, they'd have to run the table in order to do that. So um, they average about the same number of points on offense, but Oklahoma's only averaging, Oklahoma State's only give up an average of nine points. But again, they haven't played anyone. So I don't know that it's going to be as a big of a shootout as you guys are saying, but I'm going to go with Ohio or Iowa State today in the upset. All right. Well, that concludes our picks of the week. Mike, thanks for so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Have fun watching football. Yeah, um, same to you. I'm sure that you're just going to have a heyday all day um, on the couch uh, watching these games. So uh, enjoy that. Thanks, man. Take care. Yep. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to have trivia. You are listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. I'm going to ask all the questions around here, and I'm going to give all the answers. It's time for trivia. I'm going to ask you five questions. The answer to every one of them will be on the WLCA Sports Show. All right, let's go ahead and get started with trivia. But before we do, a couple of quick headlines in sports that we were not able to get to today. Baltimore Ravens acquire defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe, there it is, from the Minnesota Vikings for a third and fifth round pick. Ngakwe has five sacks through his first six games of the season. Solid pickup there for the Ravens. Yeah, say that's a good little good little help on a defensive end or, or defensive line that probably doesn't even really need it. I mean, it's always good to have that extra depth. Uh, furthermore, or go, going down our list here, Penn State basketball's head coach Pat Chambers stepped down this Thursday after allegations involving verbal misconduct. Uh, you know, you, you can't be doing that. And right now, Wichita State is going through a similar process. They haven't. Uh, fired or made anyone step down, but they're going through a similar process with their basketball coach and will probably be in a similar situation coming soon. A shame indeed. Next one, New Orleans Pelican. New Orleans Pelicans uh, basketball team hired Stan Van Gundy as their new head coach this week. Will be I exciting. love that. I love that signing too. That a, adds a great, you know, adds a great like kind of level of depth to that offense down there. Uh, yeah, uh, 
the now uh, yesterday or this week was announced the 2021 NHL Winter Classic has been postponed due to COVID. The Blues it's were actually, expected to play the Wild in that. It is canceled now. It is officially canceled. Yep. Okay. So no new uniforms. That's why. That's why I'm so no the most sad about it because I was like, man, I get a new Blues. Well, maybe jersey. the Blues will be put into a different Winter Classic in Hopefully. 2022 or three or whatever. We'll see. Next one. The NBA is targeting a December 22nd start for the 2021 season it would be a 72 game campaign and it would be finished before the 2021 season and then we told you earlier mike emrick famous whether whether he's top five or not nathan tucker he uh you know one of the greats for a lot sure. of guys have talked about sports on the microphone before that's true saying. one of the greats <laughs> for uh hockey and broadcasting of all time and in honor of that here's a quick call it is to hear that call and man could love hearing that i could hear it again honestly for the first time in their history the st louis blues are the stanley cup champions great it's so beautiful but now it is time to get into trivia we are behind uh before i uh get into trivia reminder you were listening to the wlca sports show on wlca wlca hd1 godfrey question number one who was the all-time points leader in NFL history. Gary Anderson, Sebastian Janikowski, Adam Vinatieri, or Steven Goskowski? I believe it's Janikowski. Oh, and by the way, you're facing virtual Tanner this week, so oh, no. good luck. Question number two, who holds the record for the lowest ERA of all time in postseason history? Andrew Miller, Sandy Koufax, Mariano Rivera, or Harry Breachin? I'm going to go Mariano Rivera. Question number three, which conference has the most teams to make it to the college football playoff, the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, or Pac-12? The SEC seems obvious. I'm going to go Pac-12. Question number four, this morning, one of the most famous sports rivalries in the world faced um, a matchup, faced off El Clasico. I believe it's 1-1 last time I saw it. It, was, so it might be over by now. It, it's probably close to it at this point. Barcelona, Real Madrid. These two teams have faced off 277 times in history. Barcelona winning 115 of them compared to Real Madrid's 100. Who holds the record for the most goals scored in that matchup? Is it Lionel Messi, Alfredo Di Stefano, Cristiano Ronaldo, or Raul? I think Raul. Question number five, our final question. While the Mizzou basketball team has never made it to the Final Four, they have made it to the Elite Eight in their history at least once. How many times have they made it? Closest to the answer is correct. I really don't know this, so I'm just going to guess three. All right. Well, that concludes trivia for this week before... I give the answers for that. Just a couple of things to look forward to in sports today. UFC 254 is today. Main event, 1 o'clock Central Time on ESPN+. Plus. It is Let's pay-per-view. go Gagey. Yes. Let's go Gagey. Um, title fight, like I said, lightweight title fight. Gagey and Khabib facing off. It'll be a fun one to watch. And then we also have Game 4 of the 2020 World Series at 7.08 tonight on Fox. Urias facing off against Yardbro in that one. And then college football continues today with a plethora of games um, right no, now. Actually. Yeah, right now. Clemson just kicked off against Syracuse. Ohio State and Nebraska just kicked off, I believe, as well. There we go. And then the NFL Week 7 continues tomorrow. Also, Nathan, how are you feeling this week about trivia? I felt 
I felt okay, so that means I probably did not do well at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that te- that te- I feel like it tends to go that way. Yeah, the unfounded confidence. All right, well, question number one, who was the all-time points leader in NFL history? Gary Anderson, Sebastian Janikowski, Adam Vinatieri, or Steven Goskowski? You both said Steven Goskowski. I said Janikowski. I'm so- oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tanner said Steven Goskowski. You said Sebastian Janikowski. Either way, they're wrong. Was it Vinatieri? It was Adam Vinatieri. 2,673 points. They're all top 10. I had to imagine that Vinatieri broke Janikowski's record, I think. Janikowski, I think, was a 4 or 5. Yeah. So, but I think Gary Anderson was number 2. So, 0-0 zero, zero right now. Question number 2. Who holds the record for the lowest ERA of all time? In postseason history, Andrew Miller, Sandy Koufax, Mariano Rivera, or Harry Breachin. Uh, let's see. Tanner said Sandy Koufax. You said Mariano Rivera. It was Mariano Rivera. 141 innings pitched and a .70 ERA. Helps when you only pitch one inning at a time. Pretty impressive. So that leaves you winning one nothing right now. Question number three, which conference has the most teams to make it to the college football playoff, the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, or Pac-12? You said the ACC? I, I said the oh, Pac-12. Pac-12. I'm sorry. And Tanner said the SEC. That was a gimme. That was a gimme, man. Well, here's the thing. I thought it was too much of a gimme, and I thought that, you know, maybe more of a variety. It's not a bad mindset. I thought, like, more you of a... would have taken long to think about it. Because SEC, I would imagine so many... T- like, these teams get in each time, but with the Pac-12, it's always a variety, so maybe more teams get in. Alabama, Georgia, and LSU for the SEC. Florida State and Oregon for the Pac-12. And Washington. It yeah. is three. Oh, shoot. I, that's a tie. I'll give you that one. I'll, I was incorrect on that one. I, was, I had uh, it as two. So that one is a point for each I've of out, you. I've outsmarted the system finally. Finally. So let's see. What is that? That is uh, two to one. Two to one. Uh, Nathan Tucker still in the lead. Can he Even finish, if it may be by technicality. Can he finish the comeback or the, the win is the question. Question number four. This morning we talked about El Clasico facing off. Who holds the record? For the uh, most goals scored in that matchup, Lionel Messi, Alfredo Di Stefano, Cristiano Ronaldo, or Raul. You said Raul, correct? Yep. Tanner said Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi leads with 26 goals I tried scored. To, I tried to avoid picking the two guys that seemed obvious to be just because they're the most recent. That's hurt you twice now. Uh, you know, it makes sense. Di Stefano scored a ton of goals. He was second. Yeah. And Ronaldo was third. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, 2-2. Two, two. That's not, that, This is the best way to finish it. Going into the final question, tied up, and then the closest is correct. Here we go. Yeah, this is perfect. Question it's, number, it's almost like you set it up this way. Huh. Wonder about that. Question number five. While the Mizzou basketball team has never made the final four, they have made the Elite Eight multiple times. How many times in their history have they made it? Tanner said one. You said three. Yeah. Nathan Tucker you know what that means? Wow. Wow. For the first time in WLCA Sports Show history, Nathan Tucker, you have defeated Tanner Henderson. Congratulations, buddy. We're so proud of you. I'm learning. Learning and growing every day on this show. Look I'm, at you. Look what you did. You, you know, did maybe if, good Maybe today. if I just do trivia once a week for the rest of my life, my memory will start to get better. Slowly. Hey, maybe. Slowly but surely. Well, we are proud of you. I, I can't believe you did it. 
What what was was the number actually five. three? It was five. five. Yes. So okay. it was 1944, 1976, 1994, 2002, and 2009. There it is. I'm shocked. I'm I'm pleasantly shocked. Pleasantly shocked. Well, hey, a win's a win, and exactly. you know maybe next week you can finally get that back to back win for the first time. That's your next goal. Yeah. Then we can start to look toward a winning streak. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the WLCA Sports Show this week. From Nathan Tucker and your host, Ethan Hannaford, thanks for listening here on College Radio's Best.